This is the Pop Tournaments podcast. In Pop Tournaments, we take a category of pop culture and let you, the fans, vote on matchups in a single elimination tournament format to determine an ultimate champion. We are here to discuss those results and the upcoming matchups. Thanks to our great community and everybody who votes, let's start the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Pop Tournaments Podcast. It is episode 188, coming to you on January 24th, 2024. I almost fucked that up. (sighs) Happy birthday to the jazz singer himself, Neil Diamond. Nice. One of my favorite jazz musicians. Of course. (laughs) Totally known for his sax solos and (laughs) and just going crazy uh, uh, on the keyboard. (laughs) His his fusion phase in the 70s. uh... (laughs) Strangely enough, born the exact same day, if we want to talk about a jazz singer, Aaron Neville. Oh, nice. Both 83 today. I might call him a jazz singer. I know, I know not. I mean, at least no, he's, no, no, no. he's from New Orleans, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I I, would perhaps consider him a jazz singer. Like, that's the thing. Like, being from New Orleans, you're automatically, like, one-quarter jazz singer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, Warren Zevon would have been 77 today. Uh, love me some Warren Zevon. John Belushi would have been 75. Uh, Ed Helms is 50 today. I was just uh, nice. wa- I was just watching some Ed Helms the other night. Uh, Me too. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, just saw his episode of Arrested Development a couple <laughs> there we days go. ago. He he's expecting multiples. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good fictional birthday. Happy seventy fourth birthday to Chucky from Child's Play. Oh my God, he's <laughs> old as hell. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He looks like a kid. That's insane. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta know what his regimen is. Yeah, seriously, him and Paul Rudd. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard that's a good show. The new, the new Chucky show. I've heard it's in, it's in like its third season or something. So, yeah, I I feel like I started it one night, um, and yeah, I don't know what happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> I started. It. Okay. Um and also happy 40th birthday to the Apple Macintosh. Nice. Or the He's Apple using Mac one right now. The Apple Mac 1. A re- the, the the first Apple personal computer first went on sale 40 years ago today. It cost $2,495 or the equivalent of $7,000. Wow. Nowadays. <laughs> Um, do you remember that uh, that original Apple commercial that aired during the Super Bowl? We're kind we're kind of going to going to be talking about it later today. It was a it was a parody of a movie uh, from from that year. The, this is from uh, the the first year of Apple, the Apple Mac One. Yep. I don't. I don't what year was it? 80, 40, 40 years ago. 84? Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing it. So the commercial that aired during the during the Super Bowl was a parody of 1984. 
Oh, interesting. The, uh, the, the commercial was directed by Ridley Scott, and it cost them wow. $1.5 $1. million to air a 60-second commercial back in 1984. Holy shit. So, yeah. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah. That's all I got for the 24. Right. But I got. I have to say, so, uh, and I, I, I mentioned this uh, to you earlier, nothing makes me happier than than doing these little uh date things because yeah, yeah. last week on Jeopardy just casually watching Jeopardy and all of a sudden it says January 17th birthday <laughs> 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 and I lost my shit that that's very much like the Cliff Clavin on Jeopardy <laughs> kind of thing where you're like oh my god this can't be happening right now <laughs> okay better 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 Jeopardy appearance Cl- Cliff Clavin or Rosie Perez Oh boy, uh, that's a tough one. Honestly, I think low key Rosie Perez deserves to be in that conversation. Right on. Well, we are off to a smashing start. We have Ryan Barrett. What's happening, everybody? I'm Jake. Hope y'all are doing well. Ryan, you've uh, you've uh, teased me a little, but uh, it sounds like uh, we got some content to get through here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um. So, uh, my exquisite, wonderful girlfriend, Netta, loves to keep uh, subtitles on during mm. uh, when we're watching movies in particular. You got to know when um, somebody's heavily breathing or softly. Yeah, breathing. yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or if the music is ominous or, or pensive eerie. or eerie. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, it's one of those things where I think both of us, just without thinking about it, always read the subtitles when we're watching movies. And for some reason, it feels different than watching a foreign film, you know? Yeah. And we just kind of came to... I, I came to this weird realization the other day when we were watching a movie with, with the subtitles on. I'm like, we could be watching, like, amazing foreign films right now. Mm-hmm. And it would be, like, the exact same. And so... uh I decided to pull out one of my favorite, like, disturbing as hell movies from the last five years, uh, Climax, the <laughs> film by Gaspar Noé. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with that? I'm not, but just I want to go back for a second because I thought you were going to say, like, oh, we could totally put this in German audio right now because we oh, could just yeah. read the subtitle. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then we'd no. be learning. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Climax. Um, Go on. Climax. Uh, wow, what a fucking crazy movie. Um, you know, this is the second or maybe even third time I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much fun sharing it with somebody new. Netta totally loved it and got us primed for our foreign film era, which <laughs> began this weekend and oh hopefully will continue. <laughs> um so uh going on with that uh theme we watched uh a movie that's not french i found out so so, so weird i always thought that there were two movies uh, a french version and then an american remake and i was so shocked when i realized i was wrong mm. uh but we watched the movie leon the professional mm. 
First time I've seen it. This is one that's been like a blind spot for me for 30 fucking years. And I finally watched it. Um, Not French, not foreign, but the guy is. Um, It's pronounced Leon, the professional. Yeah, Leon. Lay professional. professional. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lay professional. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But... Fucking awesome. Loved it. Um, Really, really cool movie. Love, Mm -hmm. like, the duality of tones. Um, Mm -hmm. I I kind of said it reminded me a little bit of um, Life is Beautiful in that way. But I thought I I liked this better than Life is Beautiful. Um, But it definitely, um, you know, the light moments between the two main characters are so light and just jaunty and the score is so happy and everything. And then the dark side of it is really fucking dark. Um, but yeah, r- really awesome movie. Then we got back to actual foreign films yeah. and we watched another movie that was a blind spot of mine from about 10 years ago, uh, 2012 to be exact. Uh, the Hunt starring Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, um, yes. I, I've heard of this. I've been, again, a blind spot here also. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's by, I think his name is Thomas Vinterberg, um, is the director. He also uh, yep. made a movie a couple of years later about the guys who microdose alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep, yep. I'm drawing a blank on the name. But also starring Mads Mikkelsen. The Hunt, though? Holy fucking shit. This movie is insane. It's so, so good. I mean, if you like feeling anxious and like, oh my God, I just want to crawl out of my skin. This is such a fucking good movie. Um, I I didn't really know what it was about um, prior to, you know, I I read the little summary on Netflix um, or, you know, wherever we watched it. Before we did, I believe it was on the Roku channel, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's about a guy who's falsely accused of uh, child molestation, mm. essentially. One word, rap. But um, fucking good, man. Really, really good. Um, I also uh, shared Election with Netta. That was fun, kind of uh, going back to the uh, uh, Alexander Payne uh, yep. wagon. Uh, I'm I'm trying to Payne get wagon. her to watch Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I'm t- I'm trying to get her to watch Nebraska. That that's uh, that's the next one I think. Um, still uh, going through Better Call Saul. Just finished season three yesterday. Um, and we attempted to watch Skinnamarink. Have you heard anything about this? I've heard of it, yes. It's a very, like, culty horror movie from last year. And people were saying, like, oh, my God, this is the most fucked up movie I've ever seen, whatever. So I was excited to watch it. It's, like, borderline unwatchable. Um, It's pretty much just a series of still shots with, like, nothing happening in them. Mm -hmm. Like, Like a shot of a door. Mm-hmm. And it'll be kind of staticky. It looks, it looks like it's filmed on like an old camcorder. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a shot of a door with some like droney music playing. And that will last for literally like 30 seconds. Then shot of another door. 30 seconds. I mean, that's what the whole movie is. 
as far as we could see. Uh, I'm into it. You you piqued my interest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I am a doorman. (laughs) Yeah, you are. You're nothing if not a fan of doors. Not the band. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think that kind of wraps up my my massive tent week. Well, I... uh... I continued on the pain wagon, which that's also a great band name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Especially fine. if your name was Alexander Payne. <laughs> Alexander and Payne and the pain it. wagons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, finally, finally got around to seeing the holdovers. Fuck, man, that's a that's a good movie. That is right? a really, really good movie. I know, like, so which which will lead into my other uh, it was a very low tent week for me but um low t yeah low t week um yeah it's just really really well done even even the little minor characters in the background like like you said it's mostly a three-hander but just amazing performances even from the the minor background characters and everything and well, um, I would have called it slightly predictable. Mm-hmm. It's still like the, there was never a moment uh, I streamed this, and there was never a moment I wanted to like pick up my phone or get distracted by something else. I was so immersed and just in love with this movie, and and it's so beautifully shot, mm-hmm. like. Um, yeah, I, I I just loved every part of it. But that, uh, like I said, that leads me into let's uh, we'll have a bigger episode on this later. But let's let's quick talk about those Oscar noms and how yeah. frustrated I am with. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, so maybe I, I shouldn't prejudge. But <laughs> what's with all this maestro bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I also haven't watched it. I need to. Um. But, you but know, it just it knocked I mean, out so many things that I wanted to get nominations, yeah. you know. Yeah. So likewise. But what classically you are the snubs and flubs. So what what did you what yeah. did you think here? Man, I'm not as uh, as snubsy or flubsy as I used to be in that sense. But um, like I I don't uh, I'm I'm not as much of an Oscar nerd I would say as I once was where this was like a holiday to me and I already like memorized all the the short list for (laughs) for for every category um but I mean like Oppenheimer led the led the way uh, with uh 13 Uh, nominations and I think again that's so that's kind of what I was saying I absolutely loved the holdovers but I I think this is Oppenheimer's to lose. What what did confuse me is a lot of a lot of people are saying like they're just happy that Past Lives got nominated and doesn't have yep. have a chance to win, but I know that was your favorite movie of the past year, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was very happy to see it in not a huge surprise because there's 10 nominations. But yeah. um yeah, that was great. I think my biggest takeaway from the um from the nominations is I really need to see um, Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very are, excited to big. see both of those. Especially, I haven't, I don't know anything about Zone of Interest other than it's by Jonathan Glazer. Ooh. Um, like, you don't know anything about the story? No, I don't know what it's about or anything. Please, please go in completely blind. As someone have, who who knows what this story is about, I want you to go in as blind as possible. Okay, sounds good. And and, and then see what you think. Yeah, I now, was. Did, oh, go ahead. Have you seen it? I have not. No, no. I okay. I'm I'm meaning to, but just unfortunately, I already know exactly what the premise is, and I yeah, yeah. wish wish I hadn't. So okay. Um, um is it? Uh, do, do you know if that's available anywhere outside of? Movie I theaters? don't think so because it is a. I believe it's a. It's a British film, so I don't know yes. if it's available yet anywhere. But um, no, my two my two biggest ones. I wanted to see a little bit more love for May December. I, I was hoping. Oh yeah, me the, too. What, what's his name would get the the supporting actor nod. Um, and I, I'm surprised that Saltburn was completely shut out of everything. I thought, yeah. may, I thought maybe even like a, like something technical, like a cinematography or or you know, score or something. I I don't know, but completely shut out. That that really surprised me. As much as I loved that movie, and uh, obviously the biggest. Uh, I mean, not obviously, the biggest. And I feel like this happened last year with Brian Tyree Henry yep. in the supporting category uh, for the movie Causeways. Um, this year, Coleman Domingo nominated for Best Actor, which I didn't even, I've never heard of the film, Rustin. Mm-hmm. And I, ha- I hadn't heard of his name floating around for like uh, Best Actor possibilities. Yeah. So that was a big surprise, but I love Coleman Domingo. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to, uh, to see how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hollywood continues to hate women. Greta Gerwig not getting a director nom, so... Is what it is, Christopher. Again, I think I think I think it's Christopher Nolan's award to lose this year. Yeah. There's just so much momentum behind Oppenheimer. So yeah, I I think pretty much I I think Oppenheimer is gonna win all the. I I think it's gonna win score. Yeah, I picture. called that about six months ago. <laughs> you did, you did. Yep, the score Again, whisper. This is gonna be. Yeah, that needs you need to make a new handle on Twitter or something. <laughs> Um, you, you'll be like Mel Kiper with the NFL draft. You're like a specialist. Every every January, people will start hitting you up. What What are you thinking for score? Um, but yeah, I I think Oppenheimer is probably gonna win all of the non acting awards it's up for outside of maybe screenplay. Yeah, but yeah, and- I mean it's gonna win director. Picture, um, editing, cinematography, yep. score, so yep. sound editing. I don't know yeah. about uh, I don't know about costume design. Costume design's kind of wide open this year. I I'm excited hmm. about that. I, I Napoleon, oh. Barbie, Oppenheimer, lots of uh, interesting killers. Stuff. Killers. Of I the think Flower killers. Island. I think killers is in there. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Well. Um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting, too. I'm also really interested to see kind of uh, how Barbie fares. I, I think I don't think it's going to win anything outside of song. Yeah. Um, but I think that's another opportunity for it to to pull another one in the uh, costume design, because that definitely was a 
very um, well thought out. And set know. design. Yeah. Again, there are exactly. some interesting, yeah, very interesting technical categories this year. And that's that's where your Oscar pools are won and lost, folks. It's the yeah, technical yeah. categories. <laughs> so, yes, we'll we'll get deeper into that uh, in a few weeks. We got some we got some films to catch up on for sure. So real quick, we are down to our final four in our 1994 albums tournament. And you tell me if you agree with this final four. We have Ready to Die, Super Unknown, Dookie, and MTV Unplugged in New York. How does that feel to you? It feels great. I I think they're all very deserving. Um, I kind of wish that Weezer was in here. (laughs) Weirdly, instead of ready to die, well, but I have no qualms with it. N- no, I mean, so here's here's the results. Ready to die beat Weezer thirty four to thirty three. No shit, super that is un- wild. Super unknown defeated Vitology thirty to twenty two. Dookie beat Crazy Sexy Cool forty one to twenty five. MTV Unplugged in New York defeated the Downward Spiral thirty three to thirteen. So, yeah, uh, two really interesting semifinals here. And I think I think a lot of people are going to say that that second semifinal, that Dookie versus MTV Unplugged, that's kind of the championship. But who yeah. knows? I'm not throwing any shade at Super Unknown from Soundgarden. No, not, not at, at all. all. I, I, But I do think that Dookie and MTV Unplugged are like, classic albums i even think you could say the same about ready to die i don't know if i would call super unknown a classic album hmm. as much as it was just a a perfect time and album place. of the scene in that time and place exactly yeah. it yeah. was so 1994 um i think the other three are honestly more like classic albums i, I more think legacy. All, th- all three of those albums ready to die dookie and unplugged I think would be on Rolling Stone's list of the top 100 albums of all time. Hmm. I don't think Super Unknown would be on that list. If a Soundgarden album were on that list, it would probably be their previous one. Bad Moto Finger. Yeah, I would think. But I think, th- but like you said, I think now again, if this is a tournament of '94, I think Super Unknown might be the most 1994 album. <laughs> also of, true of those four. So yeah, no, so. very, very true. I, I actually 100% agree with you on that. So definitely deserves to be in here. Great final four. Excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, I do agree with your take that it's gonna be the winner of Dookie or Unplugged. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Well, that means we have a new tournament to get to. We are going to continue this uh, anniversary nostalgia factor. Now we are going back to the films of 1984. And I'll tell you what, I could not be more... I loved loved the albums of 94. That was so much fun. And I could not be more excited to get into these movies. Like oh, yeah. making making this list and realizing how many films all came out. The, the, classically, this was one of the biggest years in in Hollywood. Like just money made at the cinema. Yeah, I was gonna say for like blockbusters, especially. I feel like this was a massive year. Very few, very few flops. Although we did include a couple in this tournament, so I'm excited to get into this. And right I off did. the right off the bat, this is this is gonna be a tough one. 
couple of PG-rated movies. Strangely enough, both clocking in at exactly 94 minutes. Wow. Not only that, released just one week apart. Hmm. So we have Muppets Take Manhattan, released on July 13th of 1984, taking on The Never-Ending Story, released on July 20th, 1984. Uh, Muppets Take Manhattan had about a $25 million take at the box office, directed by Frank Oz, the voice of many of those Muppets. This was the third uh, Muppet-based movie. Um... It uh, introduced, uh, there's a scene that actually introduced the Muppet Babies that became a popular cartoon later. Yeah. And and this was the second highest G rate, excuse me, so I said these were PG, no, Muppets was just G, second highest G-rated film of 84. It lost to the re-release of Pinocchio, though. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it was was the highest grossing original G-rated film of 1984. Never-ending story based on the 1979 novel of the same name. Uh, made a hundred million at the box office. It was huge in Germany. Wow. It was written and directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Do you all know what else he did? Um, da- das Boot no. and Outbreak. No shit. That's quite a resume. <laughs> you might know me from my work. Oh yeah, what have you done? Uh, das boot. boot, Never Ending Story, Outbreak. You know. <laughs> Uh, I know. Again, I know these are going to be classic. Uh, you know, with the with the millennials and and the and the Gen Z and Gen X. What 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 do you think here? Which which one holds more sway for you? Definitely the never ending story. Um, yeah. I and you know I will say I haven't seen Muppets Take Manhattan mm-hmm. since I was probably in single digits. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I, I don't so. really. <laughs> I I. I you know, I've seen the Muppet movie, the Muppet caper, Muppets take Manhattan. Um, I saw all those a lot when I was a kid, but I don't really know the difference between the three. You know? <laughs> I, I kind of want I, I want to watch it again. And it was funny. I looked it up last night um, just to see like where it was streaming and stuff like that. I want I saw I thought maybe if I looked at some images, it would jog my memory as to which one this was. Yep. And it didn't, but I did see an image of Rolf in a diaper uh, playing the piano. And I was like, oh, shit, that's wild. This must have been the beginning of Muppet Babies. Um, but Never Ending Story is like, as far as those kind of movies go, the like childhood fantasy, um, you know, in the uh, labyrinth and willow mm-hmm. sense. I, mm-hmm. I put these up with the best for sure. And Ooh. um and I mean, I, I don't know if I would say the best, but the ones that hold the biggest place in my heart. For sure. I mean, also super dark and depressing and definitely parts of it gave me nightmares for sure. Yeah, there were definitely me... there were definitely uh, I've seen a lot of memes about a Treyu and the horse <laughs> drowning in quicksand and going like, this is why I'm so fucked up or whatever, you know. <laughs> True. Could not be more true. Um, yeah, I think I 
think this is never-ending story, but I mean, people do love Muppets, so it's we'll, yeah. we'll see here. We'll see here. Um, up next, we have and, and in this tournament, we're, we actually we have a few repeats from previous tournaments. Um, not much of necessarily crossover, um, but uh, there there are a few that have appeared in previous tournaments, and and one of them right here we have Amadeus uh, released on September nineteenth. Going up against 2010, The Year We Make Contact, released on December 7th. This was the sequel to 2001, A Space Odyssey. Did you know there was a sequel to 2001, A Space Odyssey? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, but but I've never seen it. I don't really know anything about it except for that John Lithgow's on in it. Uh, also, Roy Scheider, Helen Mirren. I mean, this, this it's, it's a stacked cast. That's wild. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I actually, I decided last night when I got home from work, I was going to watch one of these movies that I hadn't seen before. And this was one of the ones in contention, but I did Ah. not end up watching it. I know it is available to stream, though, so. I I recommend it. But uh, Amadeus, uh, obviously starring F. Murray Abraham, uh, Tom, is it? Hulse. 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 both were nominated for Best Actor, one of the rare, because uh, usually you try to get somebody, nowadays, you give you push for one for actor yeah. and a- one for a- supporting. F. Murray, I think, would have been lead. I would hope so. I don't so. know. That That's tough, though, because it really is like... It is two leads. Both, it's a two-handed. It is two leads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, both nominated. It, it would be weird to go... And uh, for Best Supporting Actor, we have Amadeus, the the titular titular character. character. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's kind of like being John Malkovich. He's only in it for like 10 seconds. Wow. I could not think of a better comp. Thank you. Um, Obviously, it won Best Picture that year. uh, Directed by Milos Forman. He also... Directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who, which was produced by Michael Douglas. Huh. We'll we'll talk about him a little later, also. But uh, Milos Forman also directed The People versus Larry Flint and yeah. Man on the Moon. Yeah, I knew that actually, and that's that's wild. That's uh, I feel like he had a big break too between um, between Amadeus and uh, Larry Flint. Yeah, yeah, like- he. He didn't do too much in, in between. Yeah. That was about a twelve-year span, but yeah. um, but but a know, great resume. This is um, again, I, I like reading reviews on twenty ten. Everybody was like, "This is it's actually a really good movie. It's it's just sucks that it has to be the follow up to two thousand one, a space oddity." Uh, yeah, and, and, and even. Uh, 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 Roger Ebert kind of he gave it three and a half out of four stars. I mean that's that's not bad, you know. But yeah. so I, I'm excited to kind of check that out. But I think this is Amadeus in a landslide. Yeah, me too. Right on. Well, uh, next a little bit more difficult here. We have 16 Candles released on May 4th, the direct directorial debut from John Hughes. Going up against Romancing the Stone, released on March 30th. Robert Zemeckis directed Romancing the Stone after getting fired from Cocoon. Wow. 
Romancing the Stone stars Michael. Well, and the reason he got fired from Cocoon is the people at, uh, I want to say it was Warner Brothers was where he was originally developing Cocoon. Um, They saw an early cut of Romancing the Stone and thought it was so bad that they fired him from the other movie. No shit. That's wild. (laughs) Um, But Romancing the Stone stars Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, Danny DeVito. Won the Golden Globe for Best Comedy. Made $115 million at the box office. Sixth highest of 84. But 16 Candles, very well remembered. You got uh, Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Michael Scheffling. You know who was actually supposed to be in that Jake Ryan role? By the way, we are Jake and Ryan, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Viggo um, Mortensen. No, no was origi- shit. Viggo Mortensen originally wow. cast in the Jake Ryan role. Um and, and then Jake Jake Ryan went on to be uh, in the Patriot Games, if I'm not mistaken, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, a, uh, I believe he now has a series on Amazon. Uh, Kajagugu is in in the in the film. I don't know. Wow, that's cool. Is that a band or a person? <laughs> no, that, they, I, I know. They saying that I, no, no. This is our second. This is our second movie featuring a song from Kajagugu. Excuse me, because they sang the Neverending Story theme song. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's wild. That's so cool. I, and I neither have of the more. songs are their hit too shy. <laughs> yeah. From our one hit wonders tournament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so blew that one out of the water. Evidently not a one hit wonder. Uh yeah. What do you think here? I I enjoy both of these movies. I think they're both fun movies. What so do you think? I'll tell you. Uh, when I was a kid, Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile were both huge in my household. I loved I both bet. of them. Uh, and definitely have great memories of Romancing the Stone. This is actually like one of the first adult, like, uh, not adult movies. Um, but, you know, one of the first like grown-up movies I can remember seeing. Um, like, I feel like I probably saw this when I was like, I don't know, five or six years old. Like I remember it way, way back. Um, and yeah, super fun movie. Loved it as a kid. Have not seen it, you know, since then pretty much. But 16 Candles, also on my 1984 blind spot list. Hmm. Interesting. Because I was going to say, like, uh, you know, not necessarily specific to this matchup, uh, but I'm going to guess that uh, Judy Barrett has seen every single movie in this tournament at least once. Mm, I, <laughs> I, I doubt, I doubt she's seen 2010. I don't know. But, uh, it, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> but we'll have to ask her. Maybe we'll have her on next week. <laughs> yeah so okay 16 candles is a blind spot for you um it did introduce us to the classic molly ringwald dance um i don't know uh it, it also kind of has some of that uh skeevy the, we thought those things were okay back in the 80s and now yeah. upon reflection <laughs> yeah not not the only movie in that uh in that camp in this tournament no no, not 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 even in this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. But uh, you know, I think this is going to be a fun, fun matchup. I, I like the way this kind of played out, and uh, I, I'm interested interested to see how it how it ends up. So, 
Yeah, I'm I'm specifically interested to see how much love romancing the stone has because it's not one of those that I think people think of nowadays as like '80s classics. You know. Well, I mean, at least Michael Douglas did not have tongue and throat cancer uh, <laughs> at the time because <laughs> we know how he got it. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what what him he, and Kathleen Turner were doing. Yeah, yeah. He, he may have <laughs> he may have still been a virgin at this point. <laughs> That's why. (laughs) Uh, Coming up next, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street, released on November 16th of 1984. Again, what are we doing releasing horror movies two weeks after Halloween? I just... (laughs) Maybe they were putting it out for an Oscar push. (laughs) Going up against it, we, you know, we couldn't not... We couldn't do a, a tournament of 1984 movies and not include the movie. 1984, uh, released on October 10th in the UK, December 14th in the US. 1984 starred John Hurt, Richard Burton in his final role, um, but also also considered were Anthony Hopkins and Sean Connery. Also, the Eurythmics did the score for uh, 1984 to much controversy. Uh, there was some battle between the director and the, the studio on uh, hmm. how the score would be done, but um, went on to become a popular album for the Eurythmics. But A Nightmare on Elm Street, such a smashing success, had a budget of $1.1 million and went on to make $57 million at the box office that year. Uh, they, uh, you know, they call New Line Cinema the house that Freddie built because of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, one of the greatest horror films of all time. A, a, 1984, kind of a horror film. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I think this is Nightmare in a Landslide, and I have a feeling Nightmare has a chance to go far in this tournament. What do you think? Agree. Agree on both. Um, I've never seen 1984. Oh, you should but check I've, it out. I, I, don't, I haven't really heard anything that makes me want to watch it. It's um, very British. Is it okay? I mean, I know it's, it's not it, it, like it's it's very British filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, very pastoral, much like uh, the zone. Lots of, of land, lots of landscapes, fog. Um, no, I um, l- looking out a castle window pensively. <laughs> it's like um, Saltburn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, 1984 though. I'm, you know, I know it's it's based on a classic Orwell novel. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, like I, I, I've never had any reason up to this point to go. Maybe I should watch 1984 <laughs> until just now when you said you should watch it. So you're the first well, person to ever say that. We will. We then we will say. Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street and a Landslide, and we will but move on to our... Oh, go ahead. The, the, this uh, 1984 was a Steven Spielberg picture, correct? No. No? Oh, I thought I thought it was like one of his 80s bombs, but I guess I must be mistaken. No, Apologies. very, very, very much mistaken. So, again, Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg is still to come up today. And I love giving you that tease because you have no idea where it's coming. Yeah. Next, it's in Revenge of the Nerds. I'm kidding. Yeah. 
<laughs> Next, but I, th- I think the the matchup I am most excited to talk about here. We have Footloose released on February seventeenth. Went on to gross eighty million. Directed by Herbert Ross, who also directed Steel Magnolias. Taking mm. on Splash, released a little less than a month later on March 9th. It was directed by Ron Howard, who turned down directing Footloose. Wow. So that he could direct Splash. Also, turned down directing Mr. Mom. But that is... We're, we're just going to put a pin in that for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foot, Footloose starred Kevin Bacon, Laurie Singer, Diane Weist, another Lithgow. We should just do a Lithgow. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, Chris Penn, uh, Sean Penn's brother, right? Or no? Yep, yep. Oh, <laughs> I forgot I was going to make a Chris Penn Glover joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This was... This was the seventh highest grossing film of 1984. Um, both uh, Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe were considered for the Kevin Bacon role. Madonna was considered for the Laurie Singer role. But not only was this a huge movie, it was also a huge soundtrack. Went number one on the Billboard uh, uh, albums list. Uh, had six top 40 songs. Three top ten songs sold over nine million copies just as a soundtrack. But Splash, that fun uh, man fucks mermaid love story (laughs) that we've all known to grow in love over our lives. Um, This was actually the first film released by Touchstone Pictures, the division uh, of Disney. Shout out to you, Matt. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Um, It was nominated for Best Screenplay, made $69 million dollars. Starred Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, John Candy, Eugene Levy. Now, before Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton was supposed to play the starring role, but he turned it down to star in Mr. Mr. Mom. Mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Daryl Hannah, uh, great, great in this movie, was not their top choice. Uh, They had offered it to Tatum O'Neill, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Michelle Pfeiffer, Diane Lane, Kathleen Turner... Wow. A lot of possible mermaids. Kathleen Turner turned it down to be in Romancing the Stone. (laughs) Um, They should have just got all of those ladies to star in the movie Mermaids, but instead they got Cher. Yeah. yeah. So, first of all, (laughs) Splash. Uh, As a kid, loved Splash. Saw this movie many times. Big fan. You learned from young John Candy how to drop chains on the ground and look up girls' skirts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, it, uh, you know, great memories of Flash. Have not seen it in a long time. Um, going back to my blind spot list, mm. um, never seen foot loose until last night. Nice. And I have thoughts. I was gonna say you uh, have more bl- you have more blind spots than that lady who was in speed. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> it's the blind side. I'm sorry. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I I was very uh, I was very confused by that. I didn't mind it. I thought maybe it was a bus joke. Um, so, uh, first things first. Diane Weist jumps off the screen. 
definitely like I I don't want to put her up against uh, John Lithgow because they're so different. But Diane Weiss, the best actor in the movie, and high key, high key, hot as hell. Like, never. I've never seen Diane Weist not in, like, a old mom slash grandma role. Um, She's smoking hot. I had no idea. Somehow she's uh, both prudish and hot at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, like, literally, first shot of her, I'm just like, holy shit. It kind of, like, took my breath away. I did not see that coming. <laughs> she's gorgeous. Um, second thing Chris Penn I would say MVP of the movie it's too bad that he didn't have a bigger career let me read because I I made all these notes while I was stoned last night watching this movie (laughs) so uh, this is my exact note Chris Penn is the MVP sad he never had a bigger career he was probably a crackhead uh, that's the the vibe I get from him is that he had problems with the law and drugs, but so good in this, like, um, I don't know, just very natural, fun, uh, best friend role. Yeah. Um, kind of gave me like some Seth Rogen vibes or something from like forty year old virgin, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, the training montage with let's hear it for the boy is elite um i was literally laughing out loud i don't know if you remember how well you remember this movie um but they uh they do like uh chris pan can't dance so kevin bacon trains him and it's very much like a sports movie montage you know but then it ends with chris pan in like a dance solo all of a sudden it like flips scene and he's like standing in front of a train track and he's uh, just doing the most insane solo. And it literally made me laugh out loud. How, um, how they didn't use Phil Collins. I can't dance for that scene. Oh my God. That would have been so great. <laughs> I, I'm doing bad rhythm right now. Um, but um so I don't know if you're familiar with the actress Frances Lee McCain. No. Uh, she plays Kevin Bacon's mom in this. Mm-hmm. Also plays the main character's mom in Gremlins. Also from 1984. Wow. There we go. Okay. I okay. saw her and I was like, isn't that the same fucking chick from Gremlins? And I looked it up and it was. so. And then I had to write after that, obviously, John Lithgow in this and 2010. Yeah. So like two two actors just crushing 1984. Um, nobody told me. Like I've mentioned before that I've never seen Footloose. If somebody ever would have told me, oh, at the end Kevin Bacon whoops some dude's ass with karate, um, I would have watched it. it <laughs> it's essentially like a mix between Roadhouse and Karate Kid. There's like this big brawl. <laughs> And it ends with him doing like a crane kick to this guy's face. It's fucking <laughs> insane. Overall, three out of five. I give it extra points for great actors. Some good emotional touches. I teared up a couple times toward the end. Um, really fun choreography. Amazing soundtrack. But it dragged in the middle. Um, it was super <laughs> corny. 
And there was, I think it suffered from something that a lot of movies do, where it essentially had two endings. It had that courtroom scene, yeah. the, the A Few Good Men scene, when um, Kevin Bacon says, you can't handle the truth. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and then in it's both like movies that the, then, you know, there's the big emotional uh, victory at the end of the Prom, courtroom yep. scene. And it's like, yeah, we did it. The end plus 20 minutes, because now, of course, <laughs> they have to play the prom, you know, and do all the dancing. That's what the whole fucking movie's about. Yep. So it was like you kind of reached the climax of the movie. And then it like builds up to another climax, which just kind epilogue. of, it's an epilogue. Exactly. And it, it, it just felt kind of like post, you know, you know, you know, Ryan, some of us are able to have more than one climax. Hi, Karumba. <laughs> um, anywho, um, overall, so what's more, really what's fun. more ridiculous mermaids being alive or a town outlawing, outlawing dancing. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you know, according to the movie, that's not that uncommon. Lots of towns have outlawed <laughs> dancing these days. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I think they're uh, they're both pretty ridiculous. O- overall, though, I mean, I definitely had fun watching the movie. It, mm-hmm. it was entertaining and fun and, you know, definitely I, I'm thinking it's going to beat Splash. I don't know if it deserves to or not. I, I need to revisit Splash. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been it's been a while since you've seen yeah. Splash, so probably it has. I didn't know that it. Did you say it won best screenplay or was nominated? for No, best it was screenplay? nominated for best screenplay. Yeah, nominated. that's wild. That that's a good mark for it. it. Makes me want to revisit it. No, nobody in Hollywood had heard of mermaids at that point. They were just blown away. Yeah. This, this is this is this was essentially the Avatar of '84. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, if it wasn't for Splash. Little Mermaid never would have existed. We would have never gotten that. Uh, as we all know, Hans Christian Andersen wrote that in 1986, <laughs> uh, inspired by Splash. He said, now, what if this mermaid was little? <laughs> Originally called the Tiny Mermaid, but they... they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They they, they they tested that uh, field test. People didn't like that. Uh, next, hey, we got hey Tony M. <laughs> hey, hey Tony M. You gonna get up out of that water? <laughs> oh boy! Uh, two more matchups to get to. Uh, we have Police Academy released on, released on March twenty third. Uh, we, we talked about this movie extensively during our R-rated comedies, uh, tournament brought in 149 million, obviously one of the best movies of 1984, but not included in that tournament. We have Revenge of the Nerds released on July 20th, uh, made $60 million at the box office directed by Jeff Canoe, who also was the editor on Ordinary People. Hmm. Who I thought canoe? you were going to say the editor of Canoe Magazine. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say, who canoe? <laughs> who canoe? That was funny. Sorry, I, I totally stepped on that. Uh, starring Robert Carradine, Anthony Edwards, Ted McGinley. Ted McGinley got the role because he was on the cover of the Men of USC calendar. <laughs> <laughs> James Cromwell 
John Goodman, Matt Salinger, son of J.D. Salinger. Hmm. That's the only reason he got there. The the director was like, I really like your father's books. Do you want to be in my movie? (laughs) You you Uh, be playing a nerd. Is that okay? (laughs) So, again, clearly some problematic elements in this movie. Uh, Apparently wearing a costume and pretending to be somebody else. uh, I I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, two classics from 84. I, again, long time ago, had an affinity for both these movies, but I think now I just lean hard on Police Academy. Yeah, me too. But I, I don't, you know, honestly, I think I was probably a bigger fan of Revenge of the Nerds growing up. Um, I just think it's a little more geared towards kids, I guess. Weirdly. The, the non-problematic parts of Revenge of the Nerds are awesome, like hilarious 100%. and fun. Yeah. Um, so there's um. This, I mean the the musical the music scene at the end of uh, Revenge of the Nerds, mm-hmm. fucking classic. Oh, you can't you, you cannot compare like one of the most iconic moments of 1984 in cinema. Yeah, seriously. Um, and you know, so, so many great characters outside of, um, you know, the, the, the main, two mains, the two yeah. mains, there's so many great characters on both sides, uh, Some great the, side dishes, the jocks, the jocks and the nerds, a L- lot yeah. of great, I mean, you got booger, um, <laughs> oh, booger, <laughs> L- L- Lamar, uh, yeah. Poindexter, Poindexter. Uh, w- what's the, the, the guy who like is, uh, the big bully guy who's on steroids. Yeah, I can't remember, but he's got, he's almost got like an afro. Yeah, yeah, he's with got the big, big beard. bushy hair. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. L- he's the one great. that goes, nerds! Yeah. Nerds! <laughs> yeah, then he pounds a beer. That, that's the one. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, th- this is going to be a tough matchup, I think. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to watch both of these again. Back um, to back. This back to back. It'd be a great double feature. Um, but yeah, that's I both hold a, a special place in my heart. Obviously, I know Revenge of the Nerds has gotten a lot of flack over the last decade, but I, I would be down to check both of these out. Now, in the retraction department, just real quick, want to say, I was thinking of the film 1941 starring John Belushi, directed by <laughs> Steven Spielberg. And you know, it's so weird when you mentioned 1984, I was like, and you were like, yeah, it's starring uh, so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, and John Belushi. And then you didn't say that. And I'm like, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. <laughs> sure enough. I'm thinking of 1979's 1941. <laughs> Apologies. All Back right. To the well, Speaking of double features, how about a double creature feature? Our final uh-huh. matchup of the day. <laughs> we have Gremlins released on June 8th, directed by Joe Dante, going up against Dune, released on December 14th, directed by David Lynch. Classic, classic box office bomb. Did not even get that Christmas bump being released right during the holiday season. Um, 
Dune had been tried to, was in development for a long time. Uh, you know, a very difficult uh, story to, to uh, adapt. adapt to the screen. Uh, funny thing here, though, uh, do you want to know what uh, movie Lynch turned down directing to take on directing Dune? This is going to uh, blow your fucking mind. It's another space movie. R- r- romancing the Stone. Return of the Jedi. Oh, no shit. That's how wild. Good, how good would a David Lynch Return oh of the Jedi God, have been? Oh my God, seriously. That's fucking wild. That's Very crazy wild, that, that, that the George Lucas camp was thinking about giving him the reins to the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> That's fucking bananas. Uh, Dune st- starred Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, you also had Patrick Stewart. Sting. Yeah, but definitely um, the best Sting movie, I would say. Definitely the best Sting movie. Um, so, no, Gremlins does feature a, a cameo from Steven Spielberg riding an incumbent bike. Oh, interesting. Yep. Uh, written by Chris Columbus, who went on to write The Goonies. Directed Adventures in Babysitting and both Home Alones and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, and one of the Harry Potter movies. Two of the Harry Potter movies. Wow, yeah. Yeah, um, um, so, you know, big fan of Gremlins. Haven't seen it in a while. Love to revisit it. I'm a big fan of Stripe. Um, I've never seen Dune. Oh, you um, should. It's yeah, an yeah. interesting watch. And Kyle but, McLaughlin gives his all. Like, he yeah. is... And it, it, this is peak, peak McLaughlin. Like, yeah. just melting no. into those eyes. Absolutely. No, I'm uh, I, I'm excited to catch up with Dune. I uh, I think just the, the whole story behind the fraught uh, adaptation <laughs> and how long it took to get to the screen and the fact that it's David Lynch and Kyle McLaughlin... Like, I I need to watch this. I don't know why I haven't. Um, and the, that was kind of the problem. Like Lynch, Lynch just kind of gave up halfway through. Uh, okay. You know, frust- frustrated with battling the studio and and costs because, like I said, this this went through a lot of different hands, like trying to get it onto the big screen. And uh, the previous uh, director or the the previous person who had owned the rights, uh, Dino De Laurentiis, he wanted to. You know, just the first book of Dune, he wanted to split it into two movies. And mm. now everybody's uh, giving Dennis Villanueva a hard time yeah. about splitting it into <laughs> yeah. two movies. Like, no, no, no. This has been an idea for about 80 or 40 fucking years, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. um, yeah. No, that's uh, that's exciting. There, also, um, really fun documentary for you or the Pop-Tarts. Um, there's a movie called Joe... Jodor- Jodorowsky's Dune. Okay. Um, and it's about this guy. Uh, I believe he's a Spanish artist. Um, like, uh, what do you call us? Uh, like Salvador Dali. Um, sure. Esque. Um, surrealistic. <laughs> that, yep. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and they gave him the reins to Dune. Uh, mm. originally, I think probably in like the, the mid to late seventies. And it was the most fucking insane, like production. And 
yeah, it ended up just being this crazy, crazy story that ended up in a, you know, him losing Dune. Um, mm. But really, really cool documentary. Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'm just glad you didn't say Joe Rogan. Yeah, uh, it's called Joe Rogan's Dune. Uh, it's just him reenacting Dune, but on his podcast. By himself. Yeah, yeah. Sting. And then the sandworm comes up, he's like... <laughs> yeah, and then Sting's all like, hey, get out of my way. <laughs> and nobody takes the vaccine on Dune, all right? Yeah. Uh Wow. Well, that this is this is probably a good point to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is I. I'm so excited for for this tournament. We we have we have the other half to talk about next week, and I purposely left off uh, uh, our our two uh, big number one seeds, which could easily be episodes on their own. But um, that's all I got for this week. Any, anything else for you? No. All right. Well, for everyone out there in the Pop Tournaments universe, please keep on voting and keep on popping. Pop, pop. Why can't Crispin Glover dance? <laughs> ¶¶